my name is Eddie V. Hill, and I am your host. On this week of the podcast, we're speaking in general in the film film world. We have a, an actor, producer with us this week who has a connection to last week's episode, who was a writer-director. So, different perspectives, very exciting. But, before we get into all of that, I do want to remind you that this podcast is also available in video form on YouTube. You can find it there by searching the Eddie Conversation podcast if you want to watch along versus just listen. If you are a fan of the podcast, leave a review, leave a comment, give a rating, give a thumbs up, whichever platform you're on. Much appreciated. Keeping this intro short, let's get right into it. Episode number 19 featuring Connie Joe Seacrest. Yes, thanks for thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. You are Connie Joe Seacrest. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a actor, producer. Anything else you want to add actor, on to that? Or producer. That... I mean, casting director, location. I mean, I do it all pretty much. I'm starting to write now, which is crazy. That is crazy. What are you um, thinking? It's dangerous. It's it's dangerous and it's <laughs> it's very like aggravating <laughs> to sit down and like okay, I have a story. How do I write it? How do I concept it? How do I put mm. dialogue to it and characters to it and like all this kind of stuff and it's hard. It's really hard. Writing right yeah, I mean like okay. Everything is hard for sure. Yeah. Everything is difficult. But yeah, all right, so before we jump into the writing stuff, I do want to jump into the difficulties of all the other stuff we've talked that you mentioned that you do. So yeah, let's start with the all right, because I know you because I've had the chance to work on a couple of your sets, mm-hmm. and I've got to see you in the uh, producer chair a couple of times with my own eyes, mm-hmm. and also. Um, I've got I've got the, I've had the chance to direct you once. In a, yeah. In a, in a, a smaller part in my feature. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But all right. Let's start with acting. Let's start with that. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's the, I guess that's the. Let's go there. Just I'll lead you. Okay. On. Um. So like how I got into acting and what it's like or. What is it like pursuing pursuing the acting side? More. I like to start with with. What are you doing now with it? Mm-hmm. And then we can go mm-hmm. back and, and see the roots. Yeah. So I feel like now with acting, I'm kind of, um, I'm allowing like my agents and my managers to mm-hmm. kind of facilitate that for me right now and, and get those acting jobs. I'm not really self-submitting myself to any projects anymore. Um I'm more interested mm. in more like collaborating with filmmakers that I know that I've gained respect for and like create stuff together that I can act in or they might have a project that might be a perfect fit for me to act and, and maybe do other creative things with. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you come to that how to that decision from um the self-submitting life to deciding like that's that's not the avenue anymore right. and this new approach how did you 
Um, I just felt it was getting a little too um, exhausting. Like, as an actor, you're on like all of these multiple different casting platforms, mm -hmm. um, and you're getting like 50 to 100 emails a day about different things that are casting. And then you have to look at those emails and you have to look at the breakdowns and you have to see, okay, is this a project that's interesting? Does it appeal to me? Is it something I want to submit myself to? Um, and you have to submit kind of right away after they post the casting because yeah. there's this whole like process where you know you're in a certain line if mm -hmm. you submit like a day later you're you know on the bottom line if you submit you know within an hour you're on the top of their list and it's just like this whole process so yeah. it's like I was sick of being on my phone or on my computer all the time you know every single time a, you know an email came in I was like automatically like taken away from what I was doing mm -hmm. to focus on that um and then you get selected for an audition and you're like, great. And then you get the script and you're like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, it's not what I submitted to. It's not what the description said. And mm -hmm. it kind of sets you back and the writing's, you know, most of the time pretty bad. And you're just like... Do you have an example of... Uh expectation versus getting the script on like a description and then yeah. yeah so I would say I think it was um a few months ago probably I think before before March before you know the world shut down um but I saw a casting breakdown for a sci-fi film and I mm. love sci-fi genre films I love them and it was like this detective who's a shape shifter and she uses her shape shifting in order to like interrogate people in order to get information mm -hmm. in order mm -hmm. to do her job as a detective um and i don't remember the exact story description but it looked really cool it looked really fun it was a feature film and i was like oh this, this is exciting i really I, I feel like i can fit that type of role you can shape shift i can shape shift <laughs> and um no, I feel like I can fit like a, a cool detective type, <laughs> no, of, no, no, for sure. type of role. And, um, it'd be awesome if I could shape shift. That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then, you know, I submitted and, and I got the, the, the sides. And I'm reading the sides and I'm, I'm, I'm really confused mm -hmm. what's going on because she's literally in a hotel room with another guy and using her sexuality, her sexuality, her sex to manipulate this guy and interrogate him and get information. Yeah. And it was three scenes that they sent me and all three scenes were based in this hotel and this girl's like, just, this you, character's in her underwear sort of thing. Yeah, using her body to, yeah, or whatever, yeah. And I'm like, this is not what I submitted to. This is not in your description. Yeah. At all. It's so not, it's not a creative use of your shape shifting abilities really. Right. <laughs> it's like, what am I shape shifting? <laughs> um so it just it just and it was like this is yeah. this is a sci fi film? Like what? I I didn't understand it. Um and that's what really I think 
you know, and I've had I've had other cases similar to that where it's like you get the script and it's just completely opposite from the description or you get the script and you're just like, this is really bad writing. Um, and you're like, how am I supposed to be motivated and passionate about this story or this character if 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 it's not if it's not me, yeah. like it doesn't fit me or my demographic um, or my values <laughs> or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I decided to kind of step back for a while and, and um, decided, you know what, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna self submit anymore. I know so many filmmakers. I've I've established such a great network that it's like, why don't I just start concepting and making my own stuff with people that I enjoy working with mm -hmm. and you know, create roles for myself that I feel like would be a good fit for me or work with other people um, on their projects and help them out with like producing. And um, if they have a role, I can ask them about it. Like, hey, have you filmed anybody for this role yet? I think I would be a good fit. Yeah. Certain things like, there's certain things like that. Yeah. So, take, taking more control, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And then how do you balance, okay, there's a, it's two things. Yeah. Managers, agents, mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. How do you balance what you want to do with opinions of uh, avenues you could go down or should go down? Or how do those conversations go? How did you get those people? How, how like, yeah. Because yeah, because I know when you when an actor moved to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the dream, the first, the first line of like goals are I, I need to get representation, right. or I need to get my reel together. I need to get representation. Those are like the the beginning steps usually for correct, or and then SAG eligibility or like kind of move up like that. How how did you do it? Yeah, so. Um... Before I even moved down to LA, I got contacted by you're, an agency. You're from? I'm from San Jose, Northern okay. California. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually kind of went back and forth between the Bay Area and LA for a while, just mm -hmm. doing various projects. Um, and about, oh my God, four years ago now? About four years ago, I decided, you know what, I, I think I need to make the jump to, right. to LA. Um, it was getting very expensive in the Bay Area to survive and live, and I wasn't making um, a whole lot of money working at a TV station. Um, and my mom and my sister were interested in, like, leaving the the state, so it was kind of like, okay, I think this is the appropriate time for me to mm -hmm. probably jump ship as well. Um, but before I moved, I got contacted by a management company um, who was seeing, like, you know, my updates on... Instagram and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, wow, this is exciting. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't even have to, like, look. Like, it came to me. Mm -hmm. um, and it felt very, like, oh, special. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and I contacted them, and we had several meetings, and then, um, you know, signed a contract. So I was like, great, I'm, I'm moving to L.A. I already have management ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, they told me, you know, hey, you should probably go to this photographer, get your headshots done. They said your reel's already very solid because I already had, like, established a pretty good solid reel in San Francisco working on independent films there. Um, great. So I was like, I can go to L.A. and, like, 
hit the ground running. Just, yeah. I did not like my management okay. agency okay. at all. Um, moved to LA. I think it was about a month later. I got my first audition for that for them. And I was excited to get my first audition. And then I started looking at the breakdown. And it was for a student production. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. Like, yeah. I've done plenty of student productions. I feel like I'm at the state in my career where I can move past that. Um, it was for a 45-year-old woman role <laughs> who had a 17-year-old daughter. Okay. It was a non-paying job. Yeah, yeah. But the benefit, I think, was that it was me. It was going to be filmed on the WB lot as part of like the school. Yeah, yeah, because they got they had their hookups, right? Or whatever. Yeah. So that, that could have been a good, a cool experience. A cool experience, and I and you know I talked to wow. my manager afterwards, and he's like, the reason why we submitted you to a student film is because you're new to LA, and we just want to get the ball rolling and get more material for you. I'm like, okay, I get that. But I'm not 45. I don't look 45. I don't look like I can have a 17-year-old daughter. I can audition for the 17-year-old daughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I went over my goals and my all of those things with them ahead of time. And one of my things was like, I want to get out of student mm-hmm. filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was just kind yeah. of like a bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, yeah, the... okay, do they understand, you know, my age range? Do they understand, you know, my goals? Do they care? Do they care? And yeah. it, was just, it was just weird. Um, and they were very pushy on the whole social media stuff. So mm-hmm. like Instagram, they wanted me to send them like 20 photos a week of me, of just cute pictures of me so that they can promote that on their Instagram they were like, go to film festivals and just go on the red carpet and take pictures. You don't need to participate mm. in the film festival. Just make it look like you're you're doing stuff. You're doing stuff. And I just was not mm. for that. I'm like, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not. I'm not a selfie type of Instagram yeah, yeah, person yeah. that's gonna go to the beach and lay out on her bikini and take pictures and try to gain a following of you know weird men (laughs) yeah yeah essentially what what i was gonna say about the the role i was gonna my only potential positive spin on the on the what you said 45 year old mother role is from my understanding i feel like i've heard this before from student film stuff is i think i've been like a script supervisor on a few student films where maybe the actors aren't of the proper age and they're like, well, it's understandable because this is a student film. We can kind of do a little right. bit of make-believe in here within the make-believe world and it's kind of forgiven, um, which is the only positive spin I can put on it where right. it's like, well, we're here pretending to like try out my 45-year-old self. <laughs> I want to, you know, I want to get better at being a, being a mom. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But that's not what you're trying to do anyway. So, but True, yeah, yeah. But it, but it, I get your point. No, but it was not. It was not that. My goal wasn't what I was trying <laughs> to do. Plus, it happened again. Yeah. He, they submitted me to, again to like a forty-five between a forty-five mm-hmm. to fifty-five year old mm-hmm. role that was supposed to be 
mixed ethnicity mm -hmm. and I'm Caucasian. Yeah. I'm not a mix. So you, you, I guess it depends on what ethnicities you're referring to. African American and white mixed okay. ethnicity specifically on the breakdown because I had a friend that was um, in casting when I when I first moved here and he pinged me and he said uh, your manager submitted you to this project and I saw the breakdown and it was like 45 to 55 yeah, yeah. mixed African American and, and Caucasian yeah so woman and I'm like why are they submitting me to these so I you know I approached my manager and I was like look Obviously, there's a misunderstanding, and you don't know where to place me or how to submit me, and um, I just don't think this is working out. And I didn't like the fact that they're very pushy on the whole social media thing mm -hmm. and telling me mm -hmm. to take all these cute, sexy photos of myself and put them on Instagram. It's like that's not that's not who I am, and I don't think that that shows my level of talent mm -hmm. by doing that. Yeah, that's one thing about. That's tough about the, I don't know how that actor culture really works. Because there, there are some people, like actors specifically, again, <laughs> like it's, it's difficult to be an actor. It's yeah. difficult. The whole process is difficult. Yeah. And somehow it is kind of expected for whatever reason for whether... Whether, I don't know where the expectation comes from because right. I don't really right. feel like I'm expecting actors to continually show me what they're up to. But I do know it is an actor thing to be like, all right, I need to get like a lot of experiences. If I, if you have time off, it's like, all right, I need, I need to be traveling. I need to be going out and hanging out with people. I got to be doing stuff all the time. And that feels like a actor thing. Well, to, I, I think it's I think it's a film thing too. I think as a filmmaker, you have to constantly be putting yourself out there and and working on projects with people because if you sit still and silent, people aren't going to really know who you are. And no, 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 it's for sure. Be hard for you to like I, get other projects. I guess I guess I rather not not like productive stuff. More mm -hmm. like like you're saying, like going to the beach. And showing myself on the beach, going yeah. to Joshua Tree, getting some cute pictures yeah. over there. Right. Going to Yosemite and showing myself height. Like, you know, that, that kind of stuff where, like, I need to stay busy and I need to see the world. And that'll, right. that'll give me what I need to perform in the position. I think that's more of a popularity status mm -hmm. that a lot of management, some managers, not all managers, uh, management and agencies and sometimes productions yeah. want. They want to cast somebody or hire somebody in their production that has like 10 million followers, right, on their Instagram. Um, and as we've seen through social media, and I and I have this hate-love mm. relationship with social media social media because I, I utilize social media in the proper way where it's like I keep in – touch with friends, I connect with people, I meet new people. Wait, when you say proper, you mean the initially intended way. The initially intended, <laughs> yes, the initially intended way. But I think it's it's really shaped it and twisted the industry into this like popularity contest. Mm -hmm. um, and you see that with the youth too, like kids growing up feel like they're not 
acceptance in the world because they don't have a lot of followers on their Instagram, and it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be about that. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, unfortunately, the industry kind of turned that way too, where it was like, oh, if this person has a big following on their Instagram, I'm going to be more reluctant to probably cast them in my small independent film because they have a massive following mm -hmm. and so my film will get out there more yeah it's an advertisement yeah sort and, of thing and, and i guess from this is interesting for me because from the producer perspective mm -hmm. i'm sure you have the opportunity to kind of look at that stuff from a different perspective as well with like right. all right you sit with the director and you're looking over the casting options how much does that come into play or what kind of input do you put into it when you when because often but in, in right. the indie world specifically mm -hmm. you know budgets are limited right advertising and back-end post stuff isn't really thought about as much so it's like right how can we get the most bang for the buck and a built-in audience is sometimes right comes and in, comes unfor play. unfortunately there are a lot of independent filmmakers and sometimes higher production companies mm -hmm. that think that way and they would rather cast somebody in their production that has the 10 million followers versus someone that only has 2k followers um because of that but i've never looked at anybody's social media status and cast them based off of that mm -hmm. i never look at people's social media status status when i'm casting or when i'm producing stuff i cast the right person for the role regardless mm -hmm. of their race gender you know social media status mm -hmm. yeah because there's always ways to make it work you know and some people can surprise you like when we did um when i produced from under the bridge me and paul the director had a very clear vision of who we wanted to play chester in the film mm -hmm. and then Taz came along and blew our minds away. And we're like, okay, this is not what we were envisioning at all, but he was the right person for the role. Yeah. And we cast him based off of that. Um, and that's what I look at. So it's, it's, it's hard as an actor when you're getting all of this like pressure from people saying, you should be doing more in your social media. You should be making YouTube videos. You should be doing this and doing that to gain a following. But it's like, for one thing, I would be forcing myself to do those things. That's not going to make me happy. That's going to take up a lot of my time, my valuable time, where I can be actually in like training, like acting classes or reading books or like doing the actual work instead mm -hmm. of like, pretending to have this fake luxurious life yeah or on or, instagram or i guess or on the opposite route sometimes taking the time to rest and right and ease thy mind and body is usually right know, is a nice healthy option too it is yeah mm -hmm. because we all need to to especially these days i know we all need to <laughs> unplug every once in a while um and take that time for ourselves. Because I think mm -hmm. 
society and people in general have become like these, you know, I got to work 24 hours, I got to be busy 24 hours sort of mentality. And I think the one good thing that came out of this pandemic was to tell people, slow the fuck down. Can I curse? Sure, sure. Um, But I think that's what it really forced people to slow down. And a lot of people have, have, I don't know, woke in a way like, oh, wow. Like I haven't, I I started communicating with family members or friends that I haven't talked to in a long time. I started hanging Mm -hmm. out with my family more and like those sort of things became more important. Yeah, and a lot of people... I know that I've talked to a lot of people that it's like uh, not only talking with others, but, you know, communicating with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and, and listening to your thoughts. And, yeah. Because, and, yeah, a lot of people are, re, are, are, are um, finding this time to realize that they're going down a path they didn't want to go down. And now, right. now that they had this moment, they can pivot and make other decisions and kind of go from here and... Right. And that right. stuff. So that is a uh, you know, silver lining to, uh, to what's happening. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, so as far as the social media stuff. So that's your perspective. It's my perspective, yeah. And when you're in those rooms collaborating with others that are also decision makers in that process, does, mm-hmm. does that often come up with other people that you have to kind of battle it out? Or you... Okay, cool, nice. Not normally. That's I nice. mean, the people I collaborate with are pretty much on the same mindset that, that I'm on. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to collaborate with someone that's that yeah. wants this, you know, Instagram, you know, influencer to be a part of the film um, just because they're an Instagram mm-hmm. influencer. I'm always about hiring the right people for the job. Um, and if this Instagram influencer ends up auditioning and they're the right person for the job then, then they're the a, right person for the job it's a bonus but i'm not going to hire them based off of that status yeah alone no as yeah it's, i think that's the right right yeah. way to go with it yeah so when i get that pressure to do that mm-hmm. as an actor i very much push back you know in the beginning I, you know when i had this management company i was like oh my god okay i needed i need to take all these pictures and you do all this stuff mm-hmm. and and you know, because you want to do whatever you can in order to get your foot in the door when you're an actor. But I started really, I don't know, tuning in with my feelings and how I felt about Mm -hmm. every single day trying to take these nice photos and my friends around me and like my boyfriend just watching me do like on my phone constantly trying to like adhere to this social media platform and I could see their faces, and I can t- I can feel what I'm feeling, and I'm like, mm, just torture. <laughs> it's torture. It's torture. Um, and I can see that they're annoyed, and I'm getting annoyed and frustrated, mm-hmm. and um, it's just not worth it. At the end of the day, you have one life to live. Why Why are you going to be so consumed and frustrated every single day about your social media following and like? taking all these pictures and these photos and whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And at the end of the day, it's like, it shouldn't matter. Yeah, it's a a tough balance for sure. Because I know, I guess, when I primarily see you on social media these days, it's normally not yourself that you're promoting. It's normally like a project, because you're, you know, you produce projects Mm -hmm. that 
that have received accolades and have gotten cool stuff, which we could talk about. Yeah, yeah. But like I know you like for instance, um, we we met on the uh, on single, right? Was that our first? We met on single, but I were a part of the same film group, yeah. the table, mm-hmm. which is where I posted on the table. I said I'm looking for. Table is a super secret. It's not even a super secret. Oh, shit, no, 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 it's not a secret. <laughs> the table is yeah. uh, was a thing that I was exposed to when I first moved to LA. Uh-huh. It's like a nice collaborative film space. Yes, yeah. You can meet other like-minded people and collaborate and support each other. And they have an email list, so that's where. Right. When I, I first responded. moved here as well, my friend Ryan um, got me into the group, and he's yeah. like, "You're you're a very collaborative person. You should probably, you know." go to the meeting and get on the email list and then we all kind of mm-hmm. help each other and support each other which is mm-hmm. great but yeah I sent a, an email saying I was looking for you know production positions for my short film single and then you um, I believe chimed in to that you yeah, contacted yeah, me I think, that. I think you're asking because I was the script supervisor uh-huh. for that so I think it, you it was a specific ask either you had like roles in the email I don't know whatever yeah, that's how yeah, we. That's, that's how, how I got met. connected, and then we worked on single. So that one, uh, of course, the big, the big acceptance, the initial big boom was it got into South by. Yes. South by Southwest. Yes. Film festival, which is a huge film festival. Right. And that right. was super cool. I know. Of, of course, it was among the first cancellations of the of the pandemic. Right. Which was a super bummer. Right. But stuff like that, where it's like, all right. The announcement of the acceptance of the South by all the production heads are posting their uh-huh. cool uh, laurel images. And and then, of right. course, like you are a part of that, too, which is different than promoting yourself, which I think might be a separation that that how, right. how do you I, I mean, I promote myself when I'm doing something right. I don't just like. Like going to the beach. I don't just like, <laughs> I mean, every once I'll be like a relaxing day at the beach, right? But I'll just take a picture of the water in the sand. Like I won't be taking a picture of me in a bikini, right? Yeah, the classic shot that. is the legs. I think you post you right, your the legs. Right, the legs and yeah, that's like the classic shot. I've maybe posted one or two of those types of photos. We've all, we've all done it. We've all done it. Um, but I'm mainly on social media to help promote the the projects that I have worked on or that I've been in or stuff like that Mm -hmm. like once I have something that I want to promote or say I do it I'm not on social media every single day posting a selfie of myself just hanging out at home whatever there's not much to say these days I feel like it's been a little bit tougher to brag about being at home still yeah it has been tougher, but like, or like I'll post, I just got a puppy. So like Ooh. now I post, you know, when I first got the puppy, I was really excited. So I was like yeah, posting yeah, yeah, pictures yeah. with a puppy all, all the time now. I've been um, seeing that a lot. This, this, uh, a lot yes. of people are getting puppies, yeah. holiday puppies, pre-holiday puppies. And they're always the most cutest things in yeah, the world. They're really cute. And annoying. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's well, I guess for me specifically, it's almost like baby photos, you know? Where oh, it's like, yeah. it's like, all right, I enjoyed the first one, right? Super cute, right? I'm very happy for you, and then 10 more come out, and it's like, all right, I get that 
Right. Yeah. I'm not. A, I'm not that. <laughs> no, I know. I'm not. I'm not that active <laughs> about it. Um, I hate. I hate it when parents like open up an Instagram account for their babies okay. or their their dogs or whatever, and I'm just like, no, mm-hmm. please no, just don't, just don't yeah, do that. Don't do that. Just don't do it. So you but. got a dog. I got a dog. Uh, we're, I don't know. We're not. There's no. We're going all over the place. Going here. all over the place. <laughs> Let's talk about the dog really quick. Okay. So, what was the inspiration? How did? Uh, how did? What? Well, how did that I happen? I grew up with dogs mm-hmm. my entire life, and I've always wanted wanted to own my own dog. Um, and even before like the pandemic even hit, because a lot of people started adopting pets and dogs because they were home alone, especially people yeah. that are single, wanted a companion. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of pets got adopted and I'm, just, I'm kind of a little afraid though when they go back to work, they're gonna like not want their pets anymore. Um, but I wanted a dog before the world kind of yeah, shut yeah, down. Yeah, you pro- you, um, you you. When was the last time you had a dog yourself? Like, I've never owned a dog my, on my own. Mm-hmm. My parents have always yeah. kind of had the dogs. My my dad, for instance, has always had dogs, always, um, and still does. He has two right now. Um, he used to have three. Um, so I've always like whenever I see my dad, I'm you know interacting with with dogs. My mom owned a cat. Um, I think we owned a dog for like a year when I was younger with my mom, but my dad mainly has mainly had like mm-hmm. the dogs. Yeah, the, but but when you moved to when you made the jump to LA, right? I'm I'm assuming kind of like like I grew up. I had a we had a family dog too, mm-hmm. but like moving to Los Angeles, I kind of knew the intention is to be really busy all the time. Having a dog is not optimal especially right. with the hustle with the open with the with the initial right. start to to the foundation building right so okay so you've been in the back of your mind you've always wanted one or you've liked the idea of having one and then now it's kind of opened up or, yeah or... I've, I've always kind of wanted to eventually you know start i guess building my family um sure. and air quotes air quotes family <laughs> um and i guess you know, since moving to LA, I've uh, you know established a good relationship with somebody, and we um, decided to move forward and and, mm-hmm. and get a dog recently because we were we were looking for a while before the pandemic even yeah, even yeah. hit. Okay, and we were taking our time because we really wanted to make sure we had the right dog. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to just like pick any the first dog you saw right exactly um and we wanted to make sure it was a puppy we didn't want to make we didn't want it to be too old where it's been living in a kennel for like two years because unfortunately a lot of dogs have behavioral issues when they're living in kennels for Mm. for a few years um so we wanted something that was a puppy that you know we can train and we can really you know grow together um so i guess that's kind of like the initial thing and I realized yes I'm busy but I'm also at home a lot too even before the pandemic I work from home a lot so it was like I do have the time to commit to a puppy to commit to a dog um every once in a while I will need to get babysitters and dog walkers and stuff like that which is gonna which is gonna happen it did happen like right when we got our puppy we Mm. had like me and um, my boyfriend had a, had a job that we had to do for like three days and we had to literally mm. get someone to take care of 
the dog for us, but it doesn't happen very often. So it's like, all right, I do have the time and I can yeah. make the time yeah. too. And and when you when you mentioned um, you air quoted starting a family, uh, I was I saw a post recently somebody shared on their story. Um, it's kind of, it's one of those weird. I don't know. <laughs> it's they were saying the message of the story was there's a stigma of thinking you need to have kids or uh, to you know start a family, but they're like you know what just a two person. Right. Two person households or that mean that is that's starting a family right there. Exactly. So but yeah, you air quoted because, you know, the dog is an extension of. Yeah. 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 He's an extension. I, I consider him a family member mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. just came into our lives. No, no, for sure. Right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting. I was like, oh, I never really considered that starting a family normally means yeah, we're we're, having think, kids we're thinking about having kids, or we're down. yeah, but yeah. but you could technically start a family without that, which is interesting. Right, I think I think establishing a good relationship with somebody and someone that you want to live with and maybe spend the rest of your life with. You're not necessarily married mm-hmm. yet, but that's family. You're starting your family, like he's he's he or she is becoming a member of your family, and like you get a dog, they're becoming a member of your family, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. So any um, what's the what's what's been the highlight of the the dog adventure, the dog mom f- the uh, phase? The dog mom phase. Um, not, I mean, not that it's a phase, but yeah, you know, it's an era. I'll call it the era. I would say it, it's it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work because you you know you have to make sure that you're walking the dog, feeding the dog. You know, getting the dog. Medicine. What kind of dog is it? Yeah, I think you said he's a mix. He's like a he's like a terrier. They said he's a, between a terrier and a boxer. That's. But we're not too sure. That's like a medium size, full medium. grown. He'll be medium size. So he's about twenty pounds right now. That's big. We got him when he was ten pounds. Mm-hmm. So he's already gained ten pounds. Yeah. So he'll probably gain maybe about five or ten more. He won't oh, be really? more than thirty okay. pounds. All right. Yeah. Nice. Nice medium, medium size. I didn't want to. I didn't want a purse dog. No offense to people that own purse dogs, but that's just not me. Um, and then I grew up with huge dogs, mm-hmm. um, and I just you know living in an apartment and living in LA, I didn't want to you know if I don't have like a background, uh, background backyard or like <laughs> um, you know acres of land for my dog to run around in. I don't want to get a big, huge dog. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew I wanted something like a medium size type mm-hmm, of dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Cooper came into our lives and it's been, it's been a joy. It really, um, makes me kind of forces me in a way to stop mm. work and pay attention to something else. And there's a lot of funny moments that happen, of course, with the, with the puppy, you know, he does really funny things and silly things and. Um, I'm training him. Mm-hmm. I just trained him how to sit and how to do high five and how to do shake and how to lay down and um, the classics. Yeah, the classics. And I'm trying to teach him some more, but it's a lot of fun and it and it kind of brings me out of my other like work mode elements, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of like, um, especially in my relationship too, because I'm in a relationship with another filmmaker and so. 
sometimes I feel like our relationship is just like consumed with filmmaking, filmmaking, filmmaking. And now that we have this other um, family member in our lives, it's kind of very much evened out yeah, a lot. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, we have filmmaking, but we have a dog too. And so it's kind of like, yeah, kind of, it's evened the way more I, things out. Yeah, it sounds like work mode and almost, I, I'm thinking of it as play mode, where it's like, all right, right. ideally it's, the, it's, it's a nice change of pace where it's, right. yeah, right. interesting. Yeah, it's nice. As far as training goes, mm -hmm. I know uh, set dogs can be a thing. Is 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 Cooper one that might that might I don't, be able to go with you to set? I don't think so right now. I think right. he needs a lot more training. We're we're starting obedient training for him tomorrow. Actually, mm. um, Cooper gets very distracted with a lot of things. Well, he's still a baby. He's still a baby. He still wants to like. Every single thing, every single person or dog or cat or bird, he just wants to chase after them. Mm -hmm. So um, having him on set right now is probably not yeah, he'd a cause, good idea. He'd cause a ruckus. It would be really hard for me to concentrate on what I'm doing if I'm trying to like mm -hmm. pay attention to my dog. Um, but I'm hoping eventually I could bring him to those certain situations yeah, and he can just kind of chill and relax. Yeah, and I mean, I've been on, on, on plenty of sets where there's uh -huh. like four or five set dogs around and I'm like, dang, right. and they're all doing, they all do very well. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I never really thought about, do they have to turn in some sort of paperwork that says <laughs> they have training or are they just like, yeah, just bring your dog. Like, I don't know how it works. But, oh, um, well, I mean, sure if, for yeah. the dogs that are probably doing, like, on-camera work, No, just, just hang on, like, in the But PO. hanging out, like, I've, I don't think I've ever, I think I may have, may have been on, like, one production where that happened, just because we are filming in the filmmaker's house and he had a dog sort of thing, situation. Yeah. Um, I feel but, like it's a bigger, yeah. a bigger show, I don't know. Like I was, Do they have someone like looking after the dog? It's like a babysitter? Like, for instance, my first big feature film uh, before I moved to L.A. was called The Mustang, and that was out in Carson City, and that was like a three-month deal. Oh, uh, okay. So some people in the production office, had their I think they're just used to being on location for a long time, and they just have like this dog that's already been trained on multiple productions, and mm -hmm. and we're on, we're, we're on location of this prison too so it's already like gated area <laughs> yeah and it's like a whole ranch field and all this kind of stuff so the dogs just like just hang out hang and, out and run around all day yeah hang out and uh but for the most part they stay close to the owner and then uh -huh. whatever but yeah i mean if cooper eventually can kind of get trained or eventually his his attitude gets that way that would be i would that'd be nice it would be nice to have cooper on set um while i'm doing stuff but at the same time um i feel like i might not want to bring him on certain sets because i really want to focus on what i'm doing and i don't want to have to like yeah yeah uh, you know that distraction there. the distraction of it um especially right now because well, since he's I'm a puppy sure he's eating there's, everything there's gotta the be a, a pa or something around that'll be down right. to handle that for you be like this is your job today you're gonna babysit the and dog and there's they'll be like yes i'm please. sure they would love to yeah um but yeah i mean 
I hope maybe eventually in the next couple of years, maybe sure. maybe something like that. But I think he needs to chill out. He needs There's to a... chill out. Once he becomes like that chill older dog, you know, yeah. I, can, I can see that. But I think, yeah, right our, now our, he's too. Because our family dog, um, shout out to Buddy, who's no longer Aww. with us. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, he took forever to chill out. He was like, Maybe like seven or eight by the time yeah. he was like yeah. mellow, but before that, always going crazy. Always running around. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we were talking about South by Southwest. Oh yeah. Briefly. Yes. Um, in social media. In social media. I, I okay. There's a few things I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about. And of course, help me remember to come back to topics too, because I line stuff out and then I forget to come back to them. Sure. But um, I want to talk about festivals. Okay. And what sort of what what they what your opinion is of them, and then what they do for certain projects, and what they've done yeah. for the filmmakers attached to them, or like that kind of route. Let's start with that. Film okay. festivals, and then I know that you have also you have your own festival that you Correct. that you run. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, in general, I think film festivals are great for filmmakers just to get their work seen. Mm -hmm. um, to a general public that is would probably never see their work, like if they just like posted it on Amazon or iTunes or whatever YouTube. or YouTube. Um, those people might not necessarily see the work. I think film festivals kind of force independent filmmakers or, or filmmakers in general to watch other people's work um, and puts them more in like that kind of spotlight. Um, some film festivals are great and they do great PR and marketing and they try to help promote your film and um, you know winning awards at good top film festivals like South by we won a jury award um Cheers. special jury award yeah um that helps a lot for the filmmakers but I find that it mainly helps the writer directors if it's a writer director on a film no, not producer not so much hmm. um I think as a producer Oh, and it helps, and it helps actors too, of course, like the the lead. Well, yeah, mainly so the lead so the, the faces you see, the faces and you the see, main creative, that... and the main person that wrote or directed, yeah, the film. Um, I see get the bigger benefit as a producer. I get a bigger benefit when I'm actually at the festival and I'm networking, and I'm promoting our film, and I'm meeting other people, and I'm letting them know yeah. that I'm a producer, and I've produced this award-winning film, and mm -hmm. that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. As a producer, I need to be on the ground. I need to be on, I need to be networking. I need to be in contact with people. Um, so that's a big difference. So mm -hmm. like with single, Ashley, the writer-director, has had so many people. Ashley... Aiken? Aiken. Aiken. Okay. Aiken. Aiken? Um, I think it's Aiken. I'll have to. You should know. You should know. <laughs> um, 
she, you know, she had tons of people reach out to her after South by, and um, you know, she's gotten opportunities, and um, I think she's writing another. She got hired to write, you know, a series or a, another mm, movie for somebody. Um, I got to get Ashley on the on the podcast. Right, you should. Um, she's still in Canada right now, but mm-hmm. hopefully she'll be back soon. Um, but yeah, like I've I've heard and seen really great things happen with her because of the film and and because it's been in a lot of film festivals and stuff like that. Um, and some of my friends and family and filmmaking buddies have reached out to me and said they saw single and it was really good and I should be proud of it and I'm like thanks. But I haven't had like yeah a management company or or someone or you know another filmmaker reach out to me and and say hey i saw you produce this film yeah would you be interested in producing my film sort of thing that feels like that should be a thing that's happening because you as let's i don't know (laughs) as a let's say i don't okay the people that are reaching out to ashley are already producers i'm assuming and they're putting stuff together right Right. They're putting stuff together and they need a, like a writer or director attached to it or it's a production yeah. company that's looking for new directors. And yeah, so creative, that's probably what the thing, the people that reach people. out are the people with the control of, of knowing what's already going on. So right. a producer's also, so a producer's not going to reach out to another producer and be like, hey, you want to co-produce, which I think that could be a well, thing. Yeah. That should we, be a thing. We do do that every once in a while. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, for me, it's like I need the directors and the creators and the writers yeah. contacting me or production companies contacting me no, saying, no, for sure. we want you to... Yeah, me watching Single, it's like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. <laughs> I need, like, I have an idea and I have some potential places I can get money. I need, right. let, me, let me reach out and see if I can get, like, how do they put this to, like, the nuts and bolts. Get the person who helped make the thing so you can make a thing just as good exactly yeah um yeah you would think that it would all kind of help everybody right that made the production you think that that multiple people would be reaching out to multiple people that worked on the on the film but um i feel like in my experience it's it's mainly the the writer slash director that usually gets and i do want to preface single we shot in 2019 2019 and it was accepted into south by 2020 2020. which then got canceled or semi-canceled the in-person got in-person got canceled and moved to online yeah so if that hadn't have happened a lot you would have a, you would have had an opportunity to have that in person networking, but because that's being stripped away as of right. still, right? I don't know any film festivals. Like I know back in Reno, um, there's like one main film film festival up there, and they did like a half online, half like drive-in oh, experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how that went. Yeah, but, um, it is difficult to yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's difficult, and and some film festivals are are trying to do like Zoom breakout meetings where, you know, filmmakers. Huh? Have you tried those? I've tried them, but they're but they're hard because they're they're time limited too. That's like, 
we're going to do a Zoom breakout meeting for an hour and everybody's just going to go around in a circle and talk about their, you know, their film and their experience really quickly. And then, hmm. and then that's it. You can't really like, and then it's up to you, of course, to then reach out to, I guess, individuals that you want to talk more with. Yeah. But it's it's just it's just it's not the different. same. It's not the same because it's um and I find like yes, I've gotten invited to all of these these online film festivals, but it's hard for me to sit down in my living room and watch independent films. Like I love the experience of going to the theater. Yeah. And seeing it on the bigger screen and interacting with the filmmaker afterwards at a networking party. Or I go with the filmmaker to see their film and then we chat about it afterwards. Like that entire experience has just like gone. So I was so excited when we got accepted to South by. I was like, oh my God, this might be like a best career thing opportunity that might happen for me because it's like, I'm going to hit the ground running there. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to network. I'm going to do all this stuff, and we won an award, which is like, if there was an award ceremony, I, you know, yeah, that would have been a whole other thing. But then it got switched online, and yeah, like yeah. none of that was really an option or available to me. It's an all too common story of 2020 for sure. Yeah, because like I even had um, a music artist talker on, and she was gonna play because I guess I didn't know that South by also has like a music experience oh, yeah they do music film and i think tech i don't know it's a big conference yeah so yeah for for her it wasn't even there they couldn't go move it to online it's just all right. all scrapped right yeah yeah which is a bummer but yeah. all right so yeah <laughs> so i just want to clarify that you're your your opinions are based primarily off of the the COVID festival run experience. Well, I mean, there's two different types of things. So, so because mm -hmm. of COVID, now all festivals are mainly virtual, and I feel like that can help the writer director right attach to the script because they're still getting their they're still getting notoriety and people they're still, still care. getting their film out there people are still viewing it um it has opened up more globally so like people that couldn't travel to the film festival are now watching these films right because it's online it's more convenient sure um but for the normal everyday kind of producer filmmaker that mainly gets projects and opportunities based off of networking um which i feel like is what's great about film festivals is the networking aspect mm -hmm. of it you get to go to the theater you it's get to see the film the filmmakers right next to you you get to hear a q a about how they made the film you get to connect with that filmmaker and then like that filmmaker brings you on this project or you bring them on this project or whatever. That has been completely lost with the pandemic, unfortunately. Yep. But that's what I think is great about film festivals. Okay. Is a networking aspect of so, it and getting your film seen. Yes, yes. Because single is still... Being submitted mm -hmm. and accepted into film festivals now, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's got a 
It extends the legs too, which is interesting of, uh, of relevance. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you, when you make a film, expect like your first year or two is just, once you have your film done, it's going to be festivals. Just all going to be festivals. Festivals, festivals. So sue me because I, the thing, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It costs then, money. That costs money, people. It does cost money. It costs money to submit. And then if you travel to the film festival, mm-hmm. it costs money. There are some film festivals that will fly you or some put stipends, you up. Or yeah. Some stipends that are involved. Not a lot of them have that. More established ones have that, but not a lot. Um so that's great, but it's a lot of traveling, um, which can get very, that's you can expensive. get very burnt out and exhausted. But again, that is what's great about about the festivals that you're traveling to a new place. You get to travel for one thing. You get to see a new place. You get to meet new people that you've never would ever encounter if you weren't at this film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, mm-hmm. and if your film is doing really good, you, you'll you probably be in the film festival circuit for a good year or two, maybe even three years, dang, depending, dang. until you decide to either contact a distribution company and have the distribution company distribute your film or distribute it yourself on, like, you know, iTunes and Amazon Prime and all those different platforms. Yeah. Oh. So, when you make a film... It's a it's a commitment. It's a commitment, especially as a producer as well, because you're you're with the film from the beginning to the middle to the end. Because you're still help helping facilitate those film festival submissions, yeah, those yeah, distribution I... deals, all of that. So mm-hmm. when I produce something, I have to make sure that I'm super passionate about the projects that I'm producing because it is going to literally live in my life for a good five seven years. Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. Festival, <laughs> festivals is, a, like, you, like you're kind of, you're stating it's work, and especially in this COVID, like it was already, it was already kind of, there's so many festivals out there that's like, all right, which ones matter, which right. ones are going to get actual eyeballs on it. Because exactly. sometimes you get accepted into one, even pre-COVID, where they were doing online screenings before, because they don't have an actual venue, and you're like, "All right, do you have an audience for people to see? Right. You're giving me an award. Does this thing? Does who cares about this award? Like, it's weird to balance the where to send it yeah. and how to leverage the acceptance, and right. which ones do I travel to? And yeah, and your world premiere is a big deal too. It's like, which one do I world? premiere at south by um south by or or sundance or can yeah um but yeah as a filmmaker you have to you just don't just submit to any film festival like do your research submit to the ones that you know have that audience have that high class status have that status that's gonna that's gonna help you as a filmmaker Mm -hmm. submit to those if you don't get any in, in any of those then you know, drop the tier down to, like, the B-level film festivals, you know, and then go to the C-level film festivals. Do whatever you have to do or just distribute it online and try to market your film through there. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, because I, you know, I do see filmmakers that, you know, I was at this festival and this festival and this festival, and they're, like, 
tiny, itty bitty bitty film festivals in North Carolina and like one little tiny theater and it's like 10 people win, Mm -hmm. right? But I have some filmmaker friends who just made a film with Mel Gibson and their film way back in the day was at a film festival, a little itty bitty bitty tiny film festival that they got into and they decided to go to the festival and at that festival, they met someone that literally gave them money to write a feature film. So they got an opportunity. So sometimes it's like you never know. You never know yeah, yeah, what's sure, going to happen, sure. even just at a little, little tiny film festival that really doesn't matter, right? You might potentially meet somebody there that. Yeah, 100%. Will give I mean, that, that's kind of. That is the. And in the end, that's always that's always the case. Even mm-hmm. best case scenarios of oh my gosh, we got into South by, you never know. You the never world know. could shut down like that whole right. So it right. goes both ways, which is interesting. Right. So to transition that into you when you you decided to start your own festival mm-hmm. or yeah, can you go into well? So I work. Out, yeah. I've, I've never, I kind of never really wanted to run a film festival, to be honest. Like, I enjoy film festivals. Um, I volunteered at the CineQuest Film Festival in San Jose yeah. for many years yeah. and did um, a red carpet interviewing and media stuff for them for a very long time mm. before, like, I started, like, enjoying film festivals as a filmmaker. Um but I started working for a company in San Francisco called Charming Stranger Films, and every year we bring on um, students from Bennington College, which is the owner of the company went to Bennington College, and she brings on two interns, filmmaking interns, a year, and we teach them and train them how to direct and write and concept and make their own film, and at the end of their internship, they have a mini short film that they've created that we've helped them Mm -hmm. develop um and two or three years ago we were trying to come up with more engaging things that we can do with our interns and so we came up with the concept of running our own film festival so we started off with you know short films just let's just do one day a one day film festival short films where it's for women and non-binary filmmakers because my boss is very adamant about women filmmaking and helping helping women helping spotlight right yeah. um and what's the name of the festival coven coven film coven. festival um so yeah it started off as this kind of like mini short film festival just to kind of like have our interns better understand the film festival circuit and how that works as a filmmaker. And then it was like, we invited a lot of our filmmaking friends to, mm-hmm. to submit to the film festival. And then we rented out a theater in San Francisco and like hosted this one day kind of event and had like one little speaker event sort of thing. Yeah. Well, we didn't know it was going to happen, but it kind of blew up. <laughs> And nice. a lot of the filmmakers and a lot of the the people in San Francisco were like, "Please continue this film festival. We need we need this right now because it's a very it's a very specific 
film, film festival for women and non-binary filmmakers. Um, and so we're like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I guess we're running a film festival now. So the second year we had right before for the pandemic, we mm -hmm. had that in, in January uh, 2020. That was our second year. We, we decided to include not only short films, but feature films as well. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot more like speaker panels that we had um, about like distribution. And um, we had Karen Allen come and speak and, and do a workshop on directing actors and she showed her short film. Um, you know who Karen Allen is, right? No. Sorry. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark? Nope. Okay. She's no. she's a well-known actress from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Indiana Jones. I've seen it. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> she's done a lot, a so lot she, of So she directs and, and makes stuff too? She started directing and writing and, and, um, and making films okay. now. Cool. Um, and I think she was she was nominated for a Spirit Award last year as mm. well. Um, so, so yeah, we had her come down because um, we had connections to her, and and so we approached her, and she was just like, "Yeah, I would love to." So she came down and did this speaker panel event. Um, so yeah, it's it's great. It's a lot of oh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But, um, yeah, I get it. Like, what? Okay, from the way I imagine it going right. is because, all right, you need people to watch the stuff. Right. That's the hardest part. That's, that sound, yeah, that's hardest yeah. as in time intensive or like time pick, intensive. Pick, picking and choosing the best ones or. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's all, right? It takes, it took a good six to eight months just to plan a three-day film festival mm -hmm. because you have to get... Sounds like a wedding. It's, it's intense. Mm -hmm. You have to market the submissions, get the submissions, right? Put up a website, put up a film freeway account for people to submit, um, figure out the venue... And then you have to figure out the speaker panel events that are going to be happening, mm -hmm. the parties that are going to be happening, find the venues for those parties, find the sponsors that can then sponsor the money for those parties because it's like film festivals cost a lot of money to run. Mm -hmm. um, and Is it still a one-day? Like the second time was a one-day as no, well? No, so the was second it a, time was a three-day. Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. It was a three-day event. How much, if we may, what year one costs versus year two costs? So year growth? two cost a lot more because we more days, because more it's people, more days, more people, more events, more parties, more venues, those sorts of things. And we didn't really have a big, big sponsor that came in and gave us, you know, mm -hmm. grands of money to to do it. We kind of. Um, all of our, all of the money that we made on submissions and ticket sales were pretty much like our revenue. Oh, dang. We didn't have like a big sponsorship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to sponsor it. Um, so I would say the first year was, I think, around like 50K just to do a one day event yeah. with short films because yeah. we also did fly the filmmakers out. And put them up in hotels. Oh, nice. 
um, which was insane to do for your first year That's as a filmmaker. Well, you're going big the first year because you didn't, you didn't know you didn't know there was going to be an ongoing experience. So you're like, let's just right. let's just we do it. We thought it was like a one-time sort of thing. Or and, and, and now they're all expecting it. They're like, is my flight booked? You're like, actually. Correct. And so now the second year, it's like, well, okay, we flew out our filmmakers the first year. We have to keep up their reputation and <laughs> do it again. Um, so that was a, you know, that was a big hurdle, big expense, but we also hired a marketing company for us the second year to hopefully get a bigger sponsorship to pay for all of that type of stuff. And unfortunately we just, we hired the PR company, I think a little too late in the, in the running and we ended up not getting a, a huge sponsorship to kind of take care of it. Um, so yeah, the second year was, you know, more like 80, 90 grand mm. just to, just to do. It's cheaper than I was expecting. A film festival. <laughs> I was like one day at 50, three days, 200. It's kind of more of, I expected to jump like that, but you, you made it work. We made it, we made it work. Plus the venue that we booked for the second year was different mm-hmm. from the venue from the first year. So we saved some money on that. Um, a lot of people were throwing in more favors for us since it was like the second year they were mm-hmm. giving us free stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of work. And then it's like going through all of the films and picking the films and then you have to categorize the film, like the ones that you do pick, you have to categorize them in like themes and sections. And mm. you know, you have your midnight films and then you have your your student films or your um, animation films or yeah, because no. I, I know some film festivals, unlike Film Freeway, for instance, have you can you can kind of categorize it yourself as you submit, where it's right short shorts that are like under ten minutes and and comedy horror, and you can kind of right. But was is yours more of like a a general short film, and then you split it up? How you guys correct? So in the in the beginning, it was just like short films, any type of short film to submit. Um, it's still like that right now, Mm -hmm. but it's any type of short film, any type of feature film. So for us, it's like we have to, we have to watch all the films. We have to select the ones that we like, but then we also then have to take them and categorize them and go, okay, does this Mm -hmm. film work within like, do you have your, do you have your categories ahead of time where you want to do a, a certain block or, or so I imagine it's like, all right, this year, Right. We're going to have a block based on women protagonist action. And then as you're watching, you're like, well, all right, sweet. We have five. We can put them to there. Let's do that. Or if it's reversed, reverse engineered, mm-hmm. where you base it off of what you actually got. And then you. Yeah. So we, we definitely reverse engineer our stuff because we don't want to limit filmmakers to certain categories that we've created. Um, so we see what we get in. And then from there, if we see like a constant theme, um, then we start concepting our categories. Mm-hmm. And now because of the, of the pandemic, there was no way for us to um, plan our film festival. Yeah, not in California. In, in February. Um, so we decided to move 
everything online, but we decided to do a quarterly film festival. So every quarter, mm. we will do a three-day online film festival to show the films and have at least one panel speaker event online. Um, and then at the end of the year, each quarter has their own audience awards, and then at the end of the year, we pick the best short film and okay. feature film Sweet. for the year sort of thing for sure cool so and hopefully we'll get back to an in-person festival but i have a funny feeling we might do a mix a hybrid because i think a lot of film festivals are realizing that doing stuff online is a lot cheaper for the festival organizers yeah. mm -hmm. um and just and you know you don't need to spend six months eight months out of the year organizing yeah, yeah. when yeah. you have an online type of platform so we will probably move into more of a hybrid type of thing if we but start I'm, but, I'm, but i mean you are a person that definitely sees the benefits of the right. in-person experience right. which i guess would prevent it from staying virtual i guess is probably where that kind of goes in um any and any highlight moments or I'm thinking about what it feels like to put it on. Like you mentioned, mm, yeah. you mentioned it's a lot of work, but then you're there and you're seeing the kind of words from the filmmakers that greatly appreciate it mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. appreciate the spotlight. And I'm sure you keep in touch with some of them and, or, or yeah, just seeing yeah. people grow and change and they were a part of that. So yeah, that, of, that aspect of, of running the festival, being the producer and the co-founder of the festival was was great. Like, you know, I gave people opportunities that they never had before. Like, they've never seen their film, like, on a big screen. Mm -hmm. um, my interns had, like, a great experience doing it, and they met a lot of people. I met a lot of people. The whole reason why I know Ashley and became producer on Single is because because of my film festival, mm -hmm. because I met one of the filmmakers, and then she referred me to Ashley. So it's like that opportunity came up for me. Um, I met Karen Allen, which is great. Like a lot of great, wonderful things have come out of you know running my own kind of festival. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I run it with other people, but yeah, yeah, yeah I'm for a part sure. of it. It's not a solo, <laughs> it's not a solo venture. Uh, but yeah, it's great. It's a great feeling to to able to support people in their mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. very nice yeah very nice <laughs> all right I'm just, I'm just gonna no i'm looking at my list oh your list uh, all right okay well we talked about single mm -hmm. the latest project that you produced that i was a part of was from under the bridge which right. i had the director on last week, mm -hmm. um, Paul James, James Houghton is how we introduced him. He was happy with his last name being included. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm wearing the shirt actually from Under the Bridge. Yes. Hashtag stop bullying. So. I designed that logo. I designed it. Nice. I heard a lot of time went into that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a. That was a hassle. Yeah. Because because Paul put up like this this Fiverr competition mm. for designers and I was I think I was like on vacation at the time or something that he put it up and um the designs just didn't come back the way he wanted them to I'm like why don't 
you let me try something. And, and I did, and it was just like, it's like nailed this it. is it. And I'm like, Dang, okay. cool. <laughs> yeah, because we talked a lot about... Um, I don't know, we talked a lot about the production site, too, with the mm -hmm. prep for it and getting locations and mm -hmm. the two days turning into four days and, and, right. and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, so from your perspective, so the thing that I like about From Under the Bridge that I gave him credit on, and I'm not sure on the producer side how much is coming from you, how much is coming from him or whatever, but I really like the, the rollout of the, the PR campaign on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, sweet, you guys have the merch. You right. guys are doing, you know, T-shirts and the face masks. And yeah. you've got the full on, you know, of course, you got like the website and getting blurbs from different Hollywood industry people and mm -hmm. A-list actors and... Like, kind of the hype train works really well. We talked about the Megan Meyer Foundation. Yes. And collaborating with them and having that partnership is really cool. Right. So I'm like, dang, this is how... Because I've, I've seen this with Single, too. Where like, right. I'm like, cool, this is this is how you do a short film. This is, right. this is a big experience. It's not just a, a throwaway short that you're making. This is a, mm -hmm. this is a commitment mm -hmm. short. Right. So how... What how what do you how how <laughs> <laughs> well i think with short films you have to sure, sure. you have to have a good marketing and pr around it because it's a short film mm -hmm. um and i think with any film you should really even if it's a feature film you should really think about your marketing and your pr and save a chunk of your budget for that mm -hmm. because that's how you're going to get exposed. That's how you're going to get your film out there um, sure, sure. to a bigger, a bigger audience member. Um, but is, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess as far as let's talk about this film specifically yeah. on what excites you about this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, did Paul tell you our story how we met? Uh, I know you and I. I think I've I've heard it, but okay. uh, the people at home listening at home. are unfamiliar. Um, well, what first excited me about this film was I, I saw a post on a Facebook, a filmmaking Facebook forum, mm. about this film about you know anti-bullying and and cyberbullying and stuff like that. And I personally um, have been bullied when I was younger, mm -hmm. and. I can just imagine, like, I luckily didn't, when I was younger, I didn't grow up in the era of social media. And so I can just imagine what kids are going That's through sweet. today with the bullying and the social media aspect on top of that. It's rough. It's got to be rough. It's really rough. So when I saw the post about the project, I think he was posting, don't remember exactly what the post was, but I think it was just an initial, like, hey, I'm making this project sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, casting has begun, sort of. And at the time, I just recently got certified as a COVID officer to work on sets as, as a COVID officer to help people, you know, stay safe and um, during this weird time. And I was like, I kind of want to get back on set. This is my way to kind of transition. Plus, I'm a producer, so I should know this knowledge anyways. So I took a lot of um, classes and training and, and got a certification. So I initially reached out to Paul and I was like, 
hey, if you need a COVID officer, like, I just got certified because I literally got certified, like, the day before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Completed all my training and my tests and stuff like that. Um, and then Paul, I think, contacted me a couple weeks later, pinged me on um, Facebook and was like, hey, I want to talk to you about my film. I was like, sure. And we set up a time. And I, I was thinking, oh, he probably wants to talk about me being a COVID officer. And apparently, Paul, like, dived deep into my portfolio, mm-hmm. um, went to my website, dived deep into my IMDb, and was just like, who are you? I have to know you. I have to work with you, like, sort of mentality. Because um, he saw that I do a lot of stuff. Like, I do producing, I do acting, I run a film festival, I do internship program, like, I do mm-hmm. all this, all this stuff, and... Um, it was weird. We had like an hour and a half long conversation and it was like, it felt like I was talking to an old friend I hadn't talked to in like a long time. Mm. And there was just a connection there. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And Paul at the time had someone that, that kind of wanted to produce and help him with the film, but he was a little hesitant on going forward with that person because they weren't here locally in the Los Angeles area they were in a different state and he's like, I kind of need someone like here on the ground Mm -hmm. doing the producing. And so, um, after our conversation, Paul took a couple days to think about how he wanted to work with me. And then he came back and said, Hey, do you want to produce this? And I was like, I'd be happy to produce this film. Um, so yeah, it was, it was exciting because I am the type of filmmaker where I like to work on films that have a very meaningful, passionate message to say. And that are and that's gonna help people in the world and um, educate people, I guess, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Um and I also like my fun films too. Like sure, sure. I like my sci fi fantasy fun films that, you know, also have powerful messages at the end, but are fun to do. Um, but yeah, and so I started meeting up with Paul in person and we started just collaborating and talking about the film and just like getting the locations, getting, you know, casting was, was a, was a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, we had, we looked at like thousands of Yeah, yeah, he mentioned it was a, it was a point, um, it was a point to watch everything and everyone right. because right. kind of like how you mentioned with um the chester character uh-huh. that we we don't know until like somebody could come out of the woodwork that right. we're not expecting let's right do our due diligence exactly and dedicate yeah. that time yeah so it took a good two months i think about a good two months to cast the film because Every single person that submitted, we looked at all of their headshots, their resume, their demo reels, and then the ones that we thought would be a good fit to audition, we put mm-hmm. them in the audition pool. And then everybody that auditioned, we looked at all of the tapes to the beginning and the end. And I came up with this idea when we were initially sending out the audition notices. I said, hey, Paul, why don't we ask um, if they're comfortable, if the actors are comfortable with telling us their bully story, if they have a bully mm. story, or if they've seen somebody get bullied and what they've what they've done, 
um, you know, just to kind of get a better understanding where these actors have maybe come from or these people have maybe come from. So we watched the auditions from beginning to the end because the end is where they told their story also. And that was powerful. And then Paul took that and made like a teaser trailer of all of these different actors that auditioned for us that had these bully stories. And it was amazing to see that everybody, almost everybody that, that at least did a story at the end of their audition were either bullied, saw someone get bullied, or were bullied themselves and now like regret it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it was like really I'm like crying it was like <laughs> it was like really powerful no, good, no, and it was great intense great idea um, and that just like got me more excited about making the project mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until like later on that I knew about the investors involved in the project and how we had some high level investors and and stuff like that, they're at a higher um, status in the film career. And I was like, oh, like I was very surprised about that. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I actually have to try now. Well, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I always give 125% on kidding. everything. Um, but it did put me in, in kind of a place where it was like, okay, okay, holy mm -hmm. crap. Like, I have to make sure that this film comes out fucking good because <laughs> mm -hmm. I have, like, all these people eyeballs on it, right? Um, so in a way, like, I work really hard in general, but I think in a way it just, like, made me work even more harder and I became even more, like, invested and I was just, like, hands-on on everything at that point. Like, I was like, I need to be hands-on on the design. I need to be hands-on on, on the story, the casting, the locations. Like, I need I need mm -hmm. to, to show my creative voice um, in here, too. And Paul was, like, so for it. Like, Paul and I jammed really well creatively on different things. Um, and, yeah, I did tell Paul. He knows. I told Paul that this is a four-day film, not a two-day film. <laughs> I did say that. In the beginning, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but he was very adamant about, you know, the budget and the time constraints and he needed to get it done within two days because of budget and all that kind of stuff. And um, I was like, okay, it's a 20-page script in two days. It's going to be really hard to do. Yeah, we, we talked about that a bit with right. um, with his transition into the into the director chair and kind, right, of, and right. kind of the things he learned through the process of, all right, what... The, the, we didn't we didn't specifically talk about it, but right. you know the pacing of filming and what it's actually like is it's hard to grasp exactly unless you've done it many times before to really right. have a good understanding. Right, and I think and I think that was that was a, a thing with Paul is that he didn't have that that timing understanding that you know one day is only like three or five pages of your of your script of filming. Um, and set up and, and moving and that takes a lot of time. We didn't have a whole lot of locations. We had like three locations overall, but within those locations, like the house, we had this room and then that room and then this room and then the backyard and then the front yard. And it was just kind of like 
learning that those are actually different locations. You have to, yeah, we, you have yeah, to consider we, it as different locations. We did some company moves, I think like right. a, every day almost. with Almost every day. With every bar day to move. outside park to Correct. inside. And, and we were lucky enough and fortunate enough to get all of the locations within like, you know, a mile. A walk, like a walking distance. Like a mo mo sometimes a walking distance, sometimes just, just a mile away. Which is which was amazing. Like the mayor of Seal Beach mm -hmm. opened up their um, filming permits to us on the weekends because apparently you can't film on the weekends in Seal Beach. It's like one of their things, and they decided to waive that for us because because of our story, because we're doing a film about anti-bullying, and it was a powerful message. Mm -hmm. um, and then the bar ended up like opening up their location to us and that was the same bar that American Sniper was filmed at which is really cool um and then someone just opened up their home to us and said yes film here mm -hmm. you know so it's like we had a lot of um a lot of people were supporting it I think that was very exciting about the entire production is that because of our message and our overall story a lot of people like connected with it and they're like I want to help you. Whatever I can do to help, let me help you. And people just started opening up their doors for us, which yeah. was really exciting. Yeah, and bullying or anti-bullying is a hard um, lesson. Not, not like lesson. It's a hard uh, cause right. not to get behind. You know, it's, it's like well, yeah. Well, true. I mean, I mean, it's a. Of course, yeah. the the individuals involved telling the story is a very pivotal part of it. And I'm sure the mayor hearing Paul, or I don't know who did the initial pitch, but hearing hearing Paul, from Paul did the pitch the yeah mayor, from yeah. the source yeah is very helpful. But yeah, it's it's not it's not a thing with like oh bullying. Yeah, I don't. It's like it's not a problem. <laughs> everybody right. yeah everybody well, knows bullying. I also is think a, it's because oh. I think everybody in the world has dealt with yeah, yeah, bullying yeah, yeah. in some aspect in their lives. Yeah, bullying is a it's a it's a crazy thing because I mean the, it, it it can go it's a spectrum. Right. Um, right. It can be very minor to right to life. So right. Exactly. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And bullying has many has many faces too, you know. So. Yeah, one thing uh, Paul and I talked about last week, if, as far as bullying was, I guess. I don't know. It's not really the the biggest deal, but I was curious about because um, even you mentioned it. Like as kids, we've all been bullied. We've seen stuff. We've either been bullies, and even like the message of kind of from under the bridge is even bullies are getting getting that bullies. energy from some other place. So it's like right. a exactly. continuum of bullying up a line. It's a water effect through history. Right. Um, so I'm curious a little bit about um, like the adult version of bullying. Like, we, like, 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 because you mentioned, like, growing up, like, kids, we think, when we think about bullying, we think about school, we think right. about being in high school, middle school, elementary school, and getting bullied, but right. it kind of, in a way, never goes away, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but 
when I was thinking about it, I was having a hard time of visualizing what adult bullying looks like. But... I think adult bullying is more like um, intimidation. Like if someone's really mm. like like power moves. Power, yeah. Like when um, I used to work at a company a long time ago, and I did like telemarketing stuff, and my manager was this power hungry guy, and he just like fed off of that. Right, he fed off of like going to people's desks and just yelling at them for no reason. Mm-hmm. That's bullying. That's bullying, yeah. Um, as an adult, um, you know, putting people down, you know, telling them, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in, in unhealthy relationships. You know, when when a guy or a girl is verbally putting them down or even you know abusing them in a way that is bully. Um, our president mm-hmm. is a bully. Um, <laughs> you know. Let's see, by the time this comes out, right. that actually will not be the case. Well, we'll see. <laughs> um, I mean, he's definitely, like, we have a new president, but oh, okay. getting, you, getting thought, him out of the White House is going to be... I thought you were trying to say that he might still be. Yeah. All right, anyway. Anyways, you don't have to put that in your segment. No, um, it can stay. But... Yeah, so that that is my vision of like how adult bullying. Is, how is those what have you? I mean, this is kind of more of a personal question, right? But growing up, learning from experience of being bullied, how does that? How is that? What do you take from it? in your adult life like how do you respond to situations like that or what what can yeah yeah so i what i've taken from it is i mean i feel like because of my experience getting bullied when i was younger um i don't judge people anybody that i meet i don't i don't judge them i don't Put them down for any reason I don't I'm not I'm not just mean to be mean you know sort of <laughs> sort of thing um and when I see other people like my whole thing is like I've I've also been in customer service a lot when mm. I was when I was um in my 20s I did a lot of retail customer service and it was really hard when you know when you're a customer service person and someone calls or comes to your store and they're automatically like upset and they're yelling at you about something that is not even personally my fault. Yeah, right? in the grand scheme, it's not even a big deal. In the grand scheme, it's not really a big deal. It's not the end of the world. Easy fix. Sort of thing. I can easily fix this sort of thing. So... Going through that experience and my bullying experience, that to me is kind of bullying in a way because it's like, you know, like you don't need to to be rude and 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 like that. So when I've seen my friends or even my boyfriend like call a customer care service person or they're talking to a waitress or something like that, and they give like this attitude, right? This like. Like, like mm-hmm. kind of snake in a way, like, ah, like attitude. I'm like, I'm always like telling the person, yeah. like, calm down. It is not their fault that 
the cook. Yeah, let's let's think did, about this. You know what? Like like don't yell at them. It's not their fault. Like you can calmly assess the matter and respect that individual. People make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Mistakes are going to happen. You've made mistakes in your life. I've made mistakes in my life. Not me. <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I feel like I feel like I just I see that stuff more. I also and I try to like. I also feel like stop. Like pursuing the a creative field, like acting, also helps. Uh, Put yourself in other shoes a little right, a little easier right. with all right i have there's there's this unlocking of the brain that happens where you're a little bit more aware of what's going on and what the intricacies of of what decisions are being made and why they're being made that right. you're kind of in the moment a little bit better uh -huh. that i kind of take for granted as a as a filmmaker sometimes where i'm like why don't you all see what's going on here it's very clear um because i mean that's Kind of what I do as a job as a script supervisor too. I'm kind of like yeah. watching specific moments and making sure it all meshes and whatnot. Right. But right. so I do it in reality by default, where a lot of people don't have the training that they've put on themselves to understand others. Uh, one thing that I was thinking right. about right. with bullying was sometimes people don't realize that they are bullying, uh, which is kind of sure. what you're doing with the calm down thing too. Is like you're being a bully. Chill out. Right. It's like wait, I was. Right, exactly. Yeah, because your adrenaline and your feelings just like <laughs> type like explode, but you don't realize that you're exploding on someone for no reason, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. Because I know like, I what I try to do. I like yeah. It's similar to what you just said. It's calling people out on it. I think right. is important. Yeah. Um, because I, I have called people out on, like, what you're doing right now. This is a bully tactic. And this is my response to you. I'm not a fan of the bully tactics. Right. So let's rethink about what we want to do here. Like, that kind of stuff. Right. Which is, um, which is tough conversations. And it's, it's hard to overcome. Because you already... You, it's still effective in ways where you, you do get the initial feelings of of being put down, but then you have to kind of feel it, overcome it, and respond with your calm manner, which is... Right. That's hard right. work. That's hard work. It is hard work. It's a lot of hard work. And, and unfortunately, you know, I feel like you have to train your brain to be, and your heart, to be strong. You know, you really have to train it to be strong. Because especially as, you know, as an actress, too. Like, I've... Mm -hmm. I get rejected all the time being an actor. It's part of the job. It's part of the job. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's a part of just like training yourself to just breathe and let it go and realize it doesn't matter. Like this is not going to dictate who I am and how I live my life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's kind of like letting it go. And it's a process. I still cry. Um, because it's, it's still very hard and, and you're going to come to points in your life where, where you're, where you're really dealing with it and you're, and it's super hard to deal with. And that's when you want to reach out, reach out to your friends, reach out to your families, whoever, you know, is in your circle that can make you feel, mm -hmm. um, comfortable, maybe have gone through the same things. 
or go for a walk on the beach or something like something that you can do to just relieve yourself from it but it really is about how we internally take it and then um perceive on you know it's definitely a weird thing because i know I've been reading a lot of books, yeah. and I feel like the books I'm being recommended a lot have to do a lot of what we, they're like trippy books with like <laughs> consciousness and like I'm reading uh, a book on human the, the brief history of human brief history of humans. Okay. So okay. it's just kind of talking about how societies developed and yeah. how my well, so digging into how much power we have in our brain. And it's a weird thing to say, like, it's your choice on on how you respond. And it's your choice on how you feel, which is yes and no. Because, like I said, there is still, based on your own experience, you'll get reactions subconsciously that, that you'll receive. And then observing the thoughts and realizing, okay, now... Here's the choice moment right. on the reaction. Right. And Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's and, a, and sometimes you have know. sometimes you have tr- what's called trigger reactions where someone does something and for some reason it just like triggers your body to do something and you're like mm-hmm. why did I just why did I just snap at this person? This mm-hmm. person wasn't doing anything. What in my past has has made that yeah. come out? you know, and me. And it's, 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 it's a continuous process that we all have to learn how to maintain and, yeah, that comes and work through. Yeah, that comes with, um, I think, uh, I think society's doing a good job of normalizing like therapy and stuff. I think that that is a good thing. Right. I've, I've never done it myself because I'm, I'm cheap. And I can't afford it. Right. Therapy, I, I like the idea Therapy of back in the day was this was this thing like if you're going to therapy, Taboo. there's something wrong with you sort of thing. And it's like, no, there there doesn't need to be something wrong with you. Go to therapy to to mm-hmm. relieve your stress and your and your anxiety and stuff. Like it's very healthy. Mental health. Mental everybody. health. Mental yeah. Health. It's very healthy. And that's 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 what from under the bridge. Yeah. Is uh is is all about is yes. uh, is it, it helps bring to light, or or um, give a understanding to what may actually be going on behind the curtains of the action of the bully. The bully right. action. It's like all right, let's dig right. into why this is happening, right? And what it can lead to, and, which uh, is the whole waterfall effect in in the film, where mm-hmm. it's like. The bully is being a bully because the bully is also getting bullied, or you know, like it's a it's a waterfall sort of situation that's happening, um, effect that's going on. But and that's why that's why the letters we created are all connected because it's a waterfall. Effect. Oh dang! I did not notice that. Yeah, nice yeah. detail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tough segue. Okay. But at the same time, this title is great. Um, is this the right hope? Hulu. You recently Hulu. had a project. Yes. That you you didn't produce it. Didn't it, produce. No. You were UPM. UPM unit production manager. Mm-hmm. 
recently got picked up by Hulu. Yes. The show is in its second season? First season. First season. Yeah. Okay. I want to hear about that process okay. and how much you know about the behind the scenes of it. As UPM, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. The show is called... Everyone's Doing okay, Great. Okay. I was going to say it. I was really <laughs> afraid I was going to see the wrong show. Everyone is Doing Great. Yes. Which is... Which I feel is a proper segue from what we were just talking about, too, with emotion. Yeah. Everyone's doing great. Everyone's doing great. Okay, so... Which is what social media, like, portrays, right? Everybody's life is great. People are, people try to, <laughs> people try to give little glimpses here and there. It's normally... Everyone's fine. It's, it's yeah. normally in the description right. of your beautiful photo. And you're like, by the way, everybody, here's how tough life, life has is. Been. Yeah, yeah. I'm overcoming it. Right. With you. Right. But yeah, everyone's doing great. Okay, so um, yeah, I've heard good things. Yeah. And um, getting a show on Hulu sounds super cool. It's, yeah. So what what do you know? It's what can you tell milestone. us? How did that work? And I believe you acted in it as well. Yes. Um, I was, okay. I was uh, um, fortunate enough to get a co-star. Moment, nice. which is great. Nice. Um, yeah, so I, through networking, <laughs> always, always, um, through my boyfriend, uh, he knew these filmmakers, and then one of their films came out. We went to their, we went to their screening. I met the producer, uh, Michelle, through the screening, and then we really connected because she does producing and acting as well. Mm. Um, so we really connected in that sense. Um, and then, yeah, she called me, I think probably like six months after that screening and said, Hey, I have this independent, um, TV series that I'm doing with James Lafferty. And I'm like, I didn't know who James Lafferty really was back then. Mm -hmm. Um, but apparently he was this, he was this actor on this really, um, big hit show called One Tree Hill. Um, and he's doing um, more directing and, and, and acting now. And, um, they've done a lot of films in the past together, her and um, him and Michelle have. So she was like, I need, I need a right-hand woman. I need like a right-hand man to be my producing kind of buddy liaison. Like I need someone like on set to take care of the day-to-day -day operations. Yep, the UPM. UPM. Um, and that was my biggest, like, production job I've ever had. So what, what was the, because well, I'm not too familiar uh -huh. with the show. So as far as what was the objective at that moment when you're being reached out to, was it like, all right, we're doing, is it half hour Comedy the objective was they were going to do, they already filmed the pilot. Uh -huh. They've raised the money on, um, I believe it was Indiegogo. They raised the money to do seven more episodes. So it would be an eight okay. episode okay. series independently without like, you know, a backing of a production company or anything like that. Um, and at first it was like I was supposed to help out with like paperwork and day-to-day -day operations and stuff like that. And um, I met with, you know, the, the producers, the executive producers and James and Steven and the creators because they were, they were also directing and writing and concepting. And it's, it's very much like an improv kind of um, show where they, 
they have the script written out and they have like an outline of what they want, but they're going to allow the actors to kind of... Yeah, they have like story beats they got to hit, right. but they can play around within that They can play around within, within it, um, which would be fun. You know, you see what kind of comes yeah, out yeah, in the scene. Yeah, and yeah. it was really funny to watch on set when we were filming. Like the takes would be really, really long because they would just keep on going and, and vibing with each other, um, which is fun. But I ended up, like, helping out with location management, like, finding locations. I did all of the graphics that are in the films, so any, or the, the series, so anything that you see on their phones, mm. or, like, the stickers that are on, like, the cars, or the t-shirts that they're wearing, like, the branded t-shirts that they're wearing. I actually ended up doing, like, all the graphic stuff for that because I have a design background. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, like... Hey, do you have someone that's doing this? And it was a very low budget um, series, so it's kind of like you have to wear multiple hats. And I've always well weared multiple hats on every single production I've mm-hmm. been on. Um, so I helped them out with location, like finding locations. I helped them out with the graphical stuff. Um, and then on set, I was pretty much like the line producer making sure everybody was getting there on time, kind of taking care of the day-to-day operation. If anything mm-hmm. happened, I would reach out to like the producers and um, taking care of all the paperwork and the receipts and those, those sort of things. Um, and through Michelle, because Michelle also produced it and she has a co-star role in it as well. Mm-hmm. Through Michelle, James, um, who's the creator and um, director, the main director, um, he was like, oh, you do acting too. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, we have, we have this small role that we need to fill. Why don't we just give it to Connie? Why don't we just give it? And I was like, okay, great. That's awesome. Um, and I actually was only supposed to be in one episode and I ended up making two episodes, um, which is great. Nice. Um, so yeah. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. It was three months of work. Mm-hmm. It was... Because how long are, are the episodes? I don't think you mentioned. The episodes are about half an hour. Okay. Some of them run a little bit over half an hour. They're all different times. Yeah, it's um, a lot of lot to shoot. It's a lot to shoot. It was a lot of locations. It was, I think, a good three weeks, maybe even four weeks straight of shooting. Mm-hmm. Like we were six days on, one day off sort of thing. Um, sometimes we would have two days off, but it was mainly six and one. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot. Um, but it was like my first, my first big job in Los Angeles and it was my first big, bigger production job. I've never had like a production job like that before where I'm on set for four weeks. Yeah. Um, I've only have done shorter content stuff where it's like two days, three days mm-hmm. sort of situation. Um, so this was prior, when, when, when was this being shot? 2018. 18. So this is like my first big year in LA. I moved I moved to LA in June 2017, but I didn't really start getting rolling because you know you have to get yourself established, you have to yeah, get yeah, your yeah. stuff, you know, up and running. And then we shot that I think we started development and everything in September of 2018 mm-hmm. and then finished by November. Um so which is when I moved here. Oh yeah. Cool. Um, Because I would have hired you if I knew you. (laughs) 
Um, I was wondering. But yeah, it was very exciting at the end of 2020 when I got the email from Michelle saying that that Hulu picked it up. Hulu picked up our show, and I was just like, "Yeah, wow!" Like I, I didn't really hear a lot from the show. Like they they did a few film festivals and showed it at some, some film festivals because mm-hmm. some film festivals do show like pilots. Um, or series, like TV series at their yeah, festivals. Yeah, because they're not going to stream the full series. Right. They're not going to stream the full series at a festival. Yeah. Um, so they show mainly, they showed mainly the pilot in the second episode. Maybe like a sizzle or something. Right. At festivals. Um, so I knew that they were doing that. And I went to a few of the, the LA events when when the world was normal. Mm. Um, and kept in touch with everybody. But I... I just kind of had this funny feeling like, oh, I don't know if this is going to see the light of yeah, day yeah. sort of thing. It's been two years. Um, and yeah, I got the email and I was really excited. Um, one of my goals, I guess, this year was to co-star in a streaming platform. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I already did that two years ago <laughs> and, yeah, didn't, yeah. and didn't know I'm sure. <laughs> until now. So, so do you, really okay, so you helped on set with the production as UPM mm-hmm. once you wrapped you're kind of yeah you're no longer yeah as as a UPM yeah you're just um and an actor I'm no longer really okay yeah because I, 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 I don't I don't deal with the development the marketing the the distribution side of things I'm pretty much yeah it's interesting my job cause, is done yeah because I, I guess I'm curious being that like I've got I've got it's what's on the inside yeah. coming out soon. Uh, still haven't released publicly when that's going to be, but okay. I do know. That's fine. Um, so I'm always curious about that stage taking a project from production mm-hmm. and then all this time goes by and you're like, and you get the update and it's like, hey, right. guess what? We landed a deal or right. whatever the thing is. And I'm just like, all right, I wonder what that looked like for them or what the what the plan of attack was because I think that's what I hear for series these days if you want to make a show Wait. rumor has it is platforms are more likely to buy a completed show such as what you guys did for that versus coming to them with a pilot or just a script that they have they're not it's a mi- it's a mixture of both. Yeah, because I, I hear like happens. pilot season isn't really as much of a thing anymore. Because pilot season is all year now. It's not really sure. Like a but set but stream. Time. But companies are more likely to greenlight a full series versus just greenlight the one pilot. So it's like a weird. Sometimes. It's, yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. It's kind of that's kind of my point. There really is no. Um, I always say this to people in the industry, there there is no like instruction guide to the industry. It's, it's everybody called... everybody has different paths and they mm-hmm. and they make it in their own different ways and there's no rules really. There is one rule. Um. <laughs> there is one rule and I like to bring it up. It comes up every time. Okay. It's pretty much be awesome. Be awesome, okay. <laughs> If you're, because yes. the, the, the stories, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it'd be awesome at your job, well, you'll get hired. I, you know what, I would awesome say series. the one rule is be passionate, actually. No. Yeah, it really is. It's got to be a combo, I guess. If you're going to throw passion in, 
if, if it's not, if you're passionate and the project sucks, Hulu ain't going to pick it up. Yeah, I know. But if that's not your intention for Hulu to pick it up and you just want to make a project because you're passionate about it, go for it. 100%. Right? Do what makes you 100%. feel happy. 100%. Yeah. That's why I think passion is, is, a, is a big key. I, I don't. I, I don't like I to put things. I don't like to put things on a pedestal. Like I do things specifically for the passion for it. Mm-hmm. And if it gets a certain way, if it gets to Hulu, if it gets to South by, awesome. If it doesn't, awesome. Sure. Like I at least still made something that I was very proud of and passionate about. I I hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> I almost feel like we're talking about different things, though. Okay. But maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I like to approach it that way as well. Mm-hmm. I was having this conversation uh, with my roomie recently too, where it was like, um, during the lulls between productions and stuff, I get really yeah. like itch. I don't like to use, use the word itch. It sounds like you have something else. I get. <laughs> you get antsy. I, I get antsy yeah, yeah. about needing to like create something. Right. So. Right. Um, planning another super tiny half day kind of fun little shoot. Oh, cool! And uh, trying to get my roomie to be a part of it. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm trying to just say like you know what like I'm just happy to hang out with friends and make a make a fun little thing and that's kind of yeah. all I've I have invested into it. And uh, he's a little bit more like well actually it's got to be like really good and here's specific thing and i only want to be involved if this is what we're doing i'm like whoa chill bro right where's the passion at (laughs) so it's a tough balance yeah it's a tough balance when collaborating with people because there are some people that are like well if i'm going to invest my time and and maybe even money into this i want it to be the best it can ever yeah time is valuable i want it to go i want it to go somewhere and then there's other people that are like they're willing to put a lot of time and money and invest into it, but they're just passionate about just creating something and making something. And I feel like you have to have a balance of both. You know? You, well, yeah, because I, I like to... if, if you're if you're only doing stuff because you want this certain status, the project I, I feel like when I watch projects that the goal and intention of the of the creators is because they want an Oscar, is because they Awards. want this this award, this status. The project kind of is, eh, it's okay. And then you talk to those people, right? You interview those people, or or have a Q and A with those people, and you don't don't see the mm-hmm. the passion in them about the story that they make, and you're just kind of like, eh, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, I forget what that's called. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. But for me, I feel like it's more exciting to dive into something, put 125% or whatever into it, and be passionate about it, and then two years later, it's like, oh, Hulu picked it up. Oh, wow! You know, like you had no expectations you put your 100%, you're passionate about the project because you were um, passionate and you're creative about yeah. the creative process. And then there you go. You said you the word. A, you have a surprise. Yeah, it's the process. It's the process. Right. If you don't love the process, what's the point? Exactly. Exactly. 
I just don't like putting, I'm just the type of person I don't put things on a pedestal. I don't expect because I'm going to give this much effort into a project, I'm going to get this out of it. Mm-hmm. I put that effort into the project because I enjoy the project or I'm passionate about the story. Because you care. Because I care. Right. Sweet. Yeah. I feel like, uh, unless there's anything else to say about everyone is doing great, what episodes are you in? I'm in episodes seven and eight. Because, yeah. So the end of the oh, nice. series. Cool. Any but words? I put a lot of work into the other episodes as a... Yeah, for sure. Thing. You were part of all of it. You had... Gotcha. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, but it was it was fun. It was... It was um, like I said, I've never experienced being on a production that long, like mm-hmm. four weeks of seeing the same people and collaborating and yeah. funny stories that come up and funny things that come up. It was... It was... Um, yeah. I hope I have an opportunity to do that again on a project. Yeah, I've heard... I've never... I think my record is around probably the same-ish. I mean, it was, the, it was that Mustang thing where I was a... I was a smaller position. I was a personal assistant to the director. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then I stayed for rap after, too, because it was like a couple weeks of rap, pre, and then production, so it came out to maybe like two and a half months. Oh, wow. Um, but since then, since L.A., it's been, you know, yeah. two, three weeks, maybe. Right. But, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to, because, you know, one of my, I, I want to jump into 2021 and goals. I like talking about what's next yeah. and what, what we're pushing for. Yeah. One thing that I'm pushing for that I've been pushing off is joining the union as a script supervisor. Ah, uh, um, yeah. And, uh, of course, union world means bigger shows, which means longer shoots like if it like you know if you think about network tv or any other those are like seven eight month projects right like you can get on a like you know a soap opera and you can work every day for (laughs) years yeah Yeah. but it it, it would it's i don't mean that i've never experienced it i i wonder what that feels like and i i hope to learn soon but it feels yeah. scary like wait i'm stuck with the same people for how long <laughs> what you mean i can't experience 10 different projects during this amount of time it's this right. one right i think weird. um i think you're gonna need to figure figure that out for yourself right like if you get involved with the project and it's a commitment it's a commitment yeah same and um but you always have the choice to to go a different route if you're like okay i've done this project for like if you get on a soap opera i've done the soap opera for a year i've seen the same people for a year jump ship i kind of want to jump ship and do other things and meet other yeah yeah yeah, 100 you can navigate that's what's so great about life is that you can you can navigate there's not a one path sort of thing you know my entire life people are like why are you doing this in production and this and this and this? Like, why don't you just focus on one thing? And I'm like, because if I focused on one thing, I would go insane. Like, I would get bored of it and I wouldn't have that that drive. And I need I need to have multiple things going on in my life because it colors my life. I want a colorful life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. You'd get bored, you'd go crazy, all that stuff. Yeah. 
so speaking of that, with that being said, what are you, what's 2021, what are your expectations for the year as a, as a creative? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, um, for one thing, I'm hoping that, you know, the world, the world is better in 2021. Um, I know that it's still going to take a long time for things to get back to normal. And I don't think things are going to be normal, normal. Like it's going to be a different normal. Um, it's not going to be the same, but I hope that things do start to pick up and get better. Um, but I already have things in development. I'm I am producing another AFI DWW short mm. film that is going to hopefully film in April. And so we're going to be doing crowdfunding and marketing for it pretty soon. Um, I thought it was done with AFI, <laughs> but... AFI is great. Um, DWW? DWW yeah, that's again, the uh, director's... director's Workshop for Women. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly for women filmmakers. And so, yeah, I know, I know one of the directors going through this year. Oh, yeah? Which one do you know? April? Oh, April? Maxi? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm working with Kelly Pike. Um, okay, I don't know Kelly. Pike. But very cool. Yeah, so I did this um, in 2019. I did this talk at AFI with Ashley about producing, and I met Kelly, and then Kelly wanted to approach me about her film, and yeah. um, I really liked the story, and I was like, okay. I'll produce it. Um, and luckily, I have a producing team, so I'm not mm. the only producer on it. Nice. Great. Um, and she gave me a little acting role in it, too. So I'm excited to play a school teacher, which will be fun. Yeah. Um, so I have that in development. That's kind of um, – we're going we're gonna to fundraise for that, and then hopefully filming will be, like, in March mm-hmm. or April. You played a school teacher in my film. I did. I didn't – I wasn't of. really at a – School, was, but <laughs> it was the personality of personality a school teacher. Yeah. yeah, and I recently actually played a school teacher in a, a little mini mini short film um, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. But cool. Yeah, so I have that, and then of course post production for from Under the Bridge is going on right now. We hope to have the completed film done by the end of this month so we can mm. start submitting to film festivals because, um, you know, film festival deadlines are coming up, like Can is specifically one that we want to submit to. Um, we want to get that done and get that rolling and get that out there in the world. Um, so that, for me as a producer, is just kind of coordinating, like looking at the rough cut, coordinating the sound editor to go in there and do his work and then reviewing that and then paperwork coordinating the composer all that kind of stuff um and then making a list of film festivals that we want to attack um and i'm doing the same thing with another short film that i did um in december called aubergine um about a sex worker in san francisco and i completely did that entire short film produced the entire short film virtually whoa um, because of the pandemic, I didn't fly to San Francisco. Everything was virtual. I was on set virtual. And it was a very interesting experience. Mm. Um, but I was like, I could do more virtual producing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't see so, why not. Yeah, producing could, I feel, right. I feel like it's very virtual friendly. 
just of course there are there are benefits of being on the ground right but right i don't i don't know how is the like did they have like an ipad set up where you can kind of live stream like yeah a live stream so watch they what's had an ipad set up and then i could see the monitor and then um i communicated huh. with the director a couple times yeah. you know to say hey you should make sure you get this shot whatever but i also had like a production manager on the ground taking care of like you know, making sure people are getting their food and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was that was nice and interesting. And so we wrapped and and we already have the completed film already done because it was a very mini mini mm-hmm. short film. Um, and What's we're that like five minutes or something? Or it was I think it's like eight okay, minutes yeah, overall, yeah. but it was like one location, one day shoot. Sounds nice. Sort of thing. So it was pretty pretty easy. Um, to do so we're starting to submit to film festivals right now and then um paul and i are continuing our working relationship and we are going to do another short film called the best man mm-hmm. and i'm going to be more a of an actor and creative producer on the project so i will need to hire a producer a logistical producer for it um, so we are going to start developing that, concepting that after we get from under the bridge mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Paul has, you know, a whole bunch of other projects that he's working on. He might do a film in London that he might bring me on. Um, he has another TV series that he's working on that he'll hopefully bring me on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like my year so- is pretty... Is there, is there Packed. a, so I feel like you're kind of like me in the way of there's a lot of expectation in, in a way of I'm counting on this year chilling out mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. and like you kind of said some, some, some new normal where I don't know what I'm saying. The whole point is. Yeah. We want it to be a good year. Yeah. And exactly. there's, a, there's an expectation of there's got there <laughs> I don't want to phrase this in a in a in a bad way. All right. There's a way things are gonna get better, things are gonna ease up. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully people can be stay healthy, safely and and whatnot. And uh and that allows for film to kind of open up and be free and puts us to work. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my expectations for, for the new year is like, I hope the world gets better and I hope things can, can come back to normal. I hope, you know, people can survive again. I mean, there's so many people out there that are just like hurting right now. Ellie's got bad numbers. Right. I hope people can go back to work. That's Um, the book I'm reading right there. Okay. A brief history of mankind, humankind. Um, yeah, and then I just, I, you know, I already have like these sort of sort of things in development in the works, you know, like on the books. Yeah. Um, and whatever comes from yeah, that, just staying comes open. from that, and just kind of just keep on moving forward and um, see where see where life takes me. Sort of. Sort of cool. Thing. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being a part and coming out. Yeah. 
and uh, all the best in the new year. Yes, and, you too. Um, I'll have to work with you some more. Let's do it. Yes. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, 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 oh.